This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. We start things out by going to your calls. That's what the show's about. So let's talk to Steve in Toronto. Steve, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Steve. Toronto Steve going once. Hello. Hello there. I'm calling in today to talk about property rights. All righty. What's on your mind, Steve? Well, the question I'm about to ask, I I have my own answer to, but I feel like it's only semi-adequate, and I thought maybe you guys would have a better answer for me. Okay, sure. Uh, So I would assume that you would agree that if, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, that if humans were to discover some uh, some new island and there were human residents on this island, that it would be uh, morally unjustifiable for those humans to just take the land from those people. Those people own it. I would say so, yeah. Right. Um, whether or not those people even know how to uh, communicate the fact that they own it or not, they, they're there first, and... Um, these new people uh, would have no right to take that land. Certainly. Uh, so what I'm wondering is um, why you would say that this does not apply to animals that inhabit land already. You want to give that one a shot, Mark? Okay. Um, hmm. You know, I, it's, it's not a question we've ever been answered, asked before. Does this, does this come up for you? It did the other day. Uh, it caught me off guard. I was very surprised. I had to think about it for a long time. Uh, and eventually I had my own, like I said, semi-adequate answer, but it didn't fully satisfy me. And I, I thought maybe you guys would have a better Well, answer. I guess the reason is is that animals don't uh, – the reason – what I would try to come up with on this mm-hmm. um, is that uh, animals don't understand property. Um, they, they have no understanding whatever of property. They you know eat the meat off of a bone, then sure. they do what they want with the bone, then they leave the bone. Uh, you know they they, they do have, mark certain. They, they may have territory yeah. certainly, but uh, you know but I, the rebuttal to that that I've been presented with mm-hmm. from others is that uh, well, so what does this mean? They should be condemned to death just because they don't understand property rights? Oh, I don't think they've been uh, necessarily. Con- I think condemned to death. Oh well, I think there's more to it than that. I think not only do they not understand property rights, but it kind of goes back to the conversation we've had in the past about uh, why it is that animals just don't have rights. Period. Right. Because they just don't have responsibility. And in the animal kingdom, it's kill or be killed for the most part. And so that's part of <clears throat> that's part of life as an animal is when you come up against. And another beast that is in some way uh, superior to you, you either run or the other beast is going to slaughter you. So, um, you know, Ameri- uh, not Americans, humans are clearly more advanced than uh, the rest of the animals on this planet. And so, therefore, we have that, uh, you know, that top of the food chain uh, ability to to do those things. And even if we uh, you know stopped right now and we didn't <clears throat> take any more land and uh, develop any more land anywhere than wasn't owned uh, by humans, then we would still have more land than we would need for you know generations to come. To someone that believes, however, that animals do have rights and that animals are equivalent to humans, none of this will be persuasive. I don't think. Well, you're right, and I I guess that that leads me to the deeper issue of how can you explain, how can one explain to another that human life is more valuable than animal life? 
uh, logically justify it, that is. Well, um, I, it, it's that, that it's more valuable? I think they all would agree that it's more valuable. No, um, I've met people that, don't, that disagree with that. Not and the PETA people. Would they run into their if, – if their house is on fire, would they run in to save their pet cat instead of their uh, you know, three-month-old child, four-month-old child? That's a good uh, question. The person I spoke to has no children, so <laughs> – well, I, I, I would still ask them the question. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're, because you're right, the answer to right. the question will um, show how fringe and how weird they are. <laughs> you know? sure. But, but uh, identifying that isolated case doesn't uh, highlight the reason. Still, I don't think the reason that human life is more valuable than animal life. Well, it's um, it's it's more valuable to me, and that's what yeah. <laughs> and that's what counts. Um, but why? Why does it? Why is it more valuable to me? Uh, because I can interact with humans, I can exchange goods and services with humans. Humans can reason. Um, you know, I can I can expect favors from humans in the future. What I can expect from a bear is to be eaten. I, I could right. do the biggest favor in the world for a bear, and you know, when the time comes, he would eat me. Don't get me wrong, I love animals. I mean, yeah, uh, mi- you know, my my kitty cat, Mister Ravage, is a great kitty, but I am under I am under no delusion that uh, this kitty would not tear my entrails out if he was big enough to do so and hungry right. enough. Uh, two, two, two additional points to, to add to this. Uh, one is that the way this came about was the, the person I was discussing this was trying to convince me that, for the most part, animals in the animal kingdom have figured out a way to live uh, in harmony with one another without... <laughs> sending one another into extinction. Well, and, and you see that the, he's looking at the big picture that the animals yeah. don't um, aren't looking at. And the fact is, if you've got uh, you know your, your saber toothed tiger looking at the last dodo bird, the very very last dodo bird, he's mm. going to eat it. He's not going to say, "Oh well, this, you're the last th- one." Th- there's extinction here. Yeah. This 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 bird is a value. I, however, right. contend that humans, um, the vast majority of them that I know, certainly I, I can't tell you about all of them. Certainly, um, humans killed the last dodo bird but you know currently the today's modern uh, man the ones that I, the ones that I know would not kill the last dodo bird right no so, I, I agree so uh, they're you know i mean he's he can't make that argument uh you know factually now right. uh, the 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 animals exist in systems where largely they do um manage to not drive each other into extinction but many of your uh green friendly ecology types out there they don't look at the big picture they they worry about man driving a, a new species to extinction every week or whatever the claim is and they don't realize that far more species have gone extinct um, throughout time than we will ever see, than, than there are on the planet today. Right, without humans ever having existed. So this natural uh, you know, uh, world that exists does not prevent species from going to extinction, but in fact has driven far more species to extinction than man, this terrible beast that they uh, believe he is, right. uh, could ever do. That's an interesting point, and one I'll have to present to uh, the fellow next time. Uh, the, the the other point that had come up was, you know, I was I was trying to present the case as, as you just did that, you know, humans are more uh, technologically advanced, and therefore, you know, we shouldn't be purposely killing every species on the planet, but certainly it gives us, uh, I think, some license to displace animal populations. Uh, and his argument back to me was, well, what if uh, an alien species came down to Earth and they were smarter and more technologically advanced uh, than us? Would they be morally justified in displacing us, humans, from our planet? 
I would I guess the answer to that would be no. Um, you're you, you know of course you've got to find this alien species first. Wait, why wouldn't they? I mean, if that's what we do to the other uh, species, right. then why would that not be? I mean, that's it, that's what we do to every other animal. Well, so my why contention is us as a bunch of uh, my, cockroaches. My contention is that uh, the the alien that uh, you know animals don't understand property, don't care about property or anything like that. We, however, do, and I would assume that the alien species, perhaps they don't, they don't have any um, understanding of property. But well, maybe they want this property and they consider you uh, so inconsequential as to be uh, nothing more than ants. Likely they would. And Similarly, when I, mean, I think about it, doesn't make it, yeah, mean it anything. won't make a difference. <laughs> what? A lion, a lion doesn't understand property rights, but certainly doesn't want his or her home taken away. No, likely he doesn't. You know, he doesn't want uh, the, the space that he's used to hunting on uh, t- taken from him. Right, just as we would not want that if aliens came to us. But right, and there would like, be nothing we could do beyond just perish at their uh, at their evil <laughs> evil hands. <laughs> right, it would be our well, time. And, and this, so, if if we're going to regard that as evil, then then uh, parallelly, if that's a word, um, are, are we to regard ourselves as evil for doing? A similar thing to animals. I don't know. I think then now we're getting into an interesting, uh, an interesting area, and I think that what we what we're doing is for the best for our species, and so therefore it's not evil from the animals' perspective. If they understood what evil was, it it might be considered that. And similarly, we may consider that what the aliens would do to us evil, but the aliens may say this is what's best for our species. We need to expand to this other planet, and we need to wipe out these ants. So I think it's all subjective. Thanks, Steve, for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Good questions, though. I like challenging. Wow. Thought. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Uh, all the features on our site, they're free, so enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Just go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. Again, that's shrine.freetalklive.com. And are you thinking about starting a business? Well, a word to the wise incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com is fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents like patents, wills, and trademarks. Use the code FTL to save 10 bucks off your order. That's LegalZoom.com. As we continue here, again, your calls are primary if you make them. 800-259-9231. And here is a story I mentioned a few days back. We, I think I mentioned it. Maybe I told you off the air. I don't know. It's about old Joe Arpaio, mm. the probably the, the most notorious, infamous sheriff in America. I'd say that's, that's, that's fair. Yeah, he is just a real scumbag. And in case you've never heard of Sheriff Joe before, this is a guy who is probably... Rumor has it he's one of the more corrupt sheriffs in America as well, but there's nothing really that you can officially say about that because no one's caught him doing anything. But we do know that he treats his prisoners like absolute garbage, and there's this tent city that he has sent, uh, set up, and this guy is down in Arizona, by the way, so things get kind of hot during the daytime in mm, tent city. Like 120. And so we're going to give you a story here in a few moments about one man's experience in Joe Arpaio's prison. 
in his jail. Okay. And uh, so basically he smuggled out some blog entries that have now made it to the Internet, and we'll tell you what that's been like for him. But first we go to your calls. Tim in Colorado, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Tim, what's on your mind? Um, well, uh, oh, it's Kenneth, but that's okay. Oh, it's okay. Ken? Kenneth. Yeah. Kenneth, gotcha. Anyway, um, I was uh, in a slightly altered state uh, when I was listening to a podcast from a few days ago. And it occurred to me, you were talking about democracy and, you know, all the things we know about democracy, about how it doesn't work and mm-hmm. about how government doesn't work. And um, it occurred to me that they don't work for two reasons. First of all, government doesn't work because it's monopoly force. And it doesn't matter what kind of government you got. It's monopoly force, right? Certainly. But secondly, the other reason why it doesn't work is because of democracy itself. Um, I would like to suggest that democracy is attaching force to the argumentum ad populum. And we all know that the argumentum ad populum, the idea that, well, everybody thinks this is the way it is. If you apply that to force and law, you get bad law by nature. Right. That's a good point. Argumentum ad populum is a logical fallacy that suggests that just because something is popular, therefore it is true. Right. And that's, and if we an, took a, that's not true. If we took a vote, if you asked everybody in America um, whether you know what flavor of ice cream we should sell, should we get rid of all the other flavors of ice cream and we'll sell one flavor because it's the best? It's a, what's the best flavor? Yeah. Because people have, uh, in fact, you know, decided that it's the best and yeah. we'll get rid of the rest of them because we don't need them. They're not the best. You'd come up likely with vanilla. I would vote for, you know, does can I vote for mint chocolate chip and Oreo combined, like the mint Oreo kind of? Uh, you you could vote for whatever like you'd that. like. Um, I don't know if that is officially I think you should make an ice cream it, I think you should make it as obscure as possible. That way your vote doesn't count. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, I, I would vote for raspberry. Okay. And your vote, uh, Kenneth? Ice cream? Oh, I'd probably have to go for... Uh Chocolate chip cookie crunch, whatever it is. We can't even like find a majority dough? on. We can't even cookie find dough, a majority yeah. on this. I mean, this is awful. Yeah. But yes, I'm with you. It's a great point. What other thoughts do you have for us? Oh, that was it. Very good, Kenneth. Thank you for the call tonight. We appreciate uh-huh. it. JC is on the line in Alabama. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, JC. Libertations, gentlemen. Hello, sir. What's on your mind? Well, I'll tell you. I did Apollo, and I went to California and talked to the governor. And you I what? told him that Free Talk Live was only in third place on Podcast Alley, and you know what he said? What get did he say? out of here. Get out of here. He couldn't yeah. believe it. Mm. Or was he telling well, you to get uh, out of his office? There, It was actually get out of his office. Oh, okay. I shouldn't have been there. Yeah, gotcha. But uh, Free Talk Live is 32 votes behind first place. That's not too shabby. We're still closing the, uh, the ranks there, and we still need your vote. If you haven't done it in the month of August, please go to vote. Dot freetalklive.com I don't know why we can't get in, um, into the I first feel place. Bad. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, like the first, first place before the 10th. It just doesn't seem to happen. For whatever reason, the rest of these shows can get us out of the gate. We have so many more people that are listening, and we just, you know, no, no. I guess most of our listeners just aren't activists enough. votes to get us away from fourth place. That's all it takes to sink back down to fourth. Yikes. Close. JC, thanks for the update. Do you have anything else to talk about? That's all. Have a Appreciate good one. it, dude. Thanks. 800-259-9231. Uh, voting does mean a lot to us, and it only takes you a moment. So please go to vote.freetalklive.com. Joe Arpaio, Sheriff Joe, as he is known. Here's the story from Mother Jones. By the time the feds caught up with former stockbroker Sean Atwood in 2002, the big-eared Brit hardly seemed like the drug kingpin they were after. 
He was living in a cramped apartment in Scottsdale, Arizona with his fiancée, Claudia. He spent most days trading stocks online from his home office and hitting the gym. English Sean, as Atwood was known in law enforcement circles, was supposed to be the mastermind of Phoenix's largest drug syndicate, dubbed the Evil Empire. It single-handedly sustained Phoenix's booming, uh, booming rave scene. Homebody or not, a wire picked up Atwood discussing shipments of ecstasy, methamphetamines, LSD, marijuana, and cocaine. And then the DEA knocked his door in. For the next five and a half years, Sean Atwood inhabited Sheriff Joe Arpaio's notorious jail and the swelter- five years. Yep, uh, in the sweltering wow. prisons of Central Arizona. Usually, um, you know, that the reason that that is uh, bizarre is because in most cases, my understanding is, is the county jails are for people that have yet to be sentenced and for um, you know people that uh, have gotten less. Th- what, what do they call that? Well, it uh, says he he inhabited uh, Arpaio's jail and sweltering prisons of Arizona, of Central oh, Arizona. Okay. So he's been in both. And like many prisoners, he broke out in bed sores and hives, made friends with transsexuals, and evaded the wrath of the Aryan Brotherhood. But while he did time in maximum security under the self-proclaimed toughest sheriff in America, Atwood also did something most prisoners can't. He took his father's suggestion and started blogging covertly about his daily life. At first... Atwood's aunt was the blog, uh, the blog smuggler. When she visited him at the Madison Street Jail, he handed her a scrap of paper tucked into a stack of legal documents, his first blog post. Once home, she transcribed the post and emailed it to his father, Derek, in England. A few days later, Derek activated John's jail journal on Blogspot, and there he posted his son's first blog entry from prison. Its title, Deep S. It began, We have had no running water for three days. Now, this is in the jail. This is not in Tent City, and I could imagine that Tent City is worse than the jail, Mm. but I'm just speculating. But let me give you what the jail situation was like. Okay, no running water for three days. The toilets in our cells are full of feces and urine. On the second day of the water... On the second day of the water outage, I knew we were in trouble when the mound in our steel throne peaked above sea level. Now, Mark, uh, you spent nine years in prison. Did you ever experience that? I, I, if a toilet was broken, they fixed it. I mean, I'm sure we had some, you know, we had some ugly toilet situations, yeah. but uh, nothing like nothing like this. That- this is just the beginning. We'll continue some of his uh, blog entries here in a moment from the inside of Joe Arpaio's jail. This uh, scum-sucking sheriff, probably one of the most corrupt and awful and violent men in the nation. We'll come back with more Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, and uh, so enjoy all those, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website going back for an entire year. All free for you at freetalklive.com. In Chapter 6, Subterranean, Tad Galahad goes to hell. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com. That's freedom-engineering.com. And a little update on uh, the Tad Galahad uh, series. I guess a new chapter will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Oh, cool. It's, uh, you know, the, the author it's, uh, has uh, his, his line of work gets rather busy this time mm-hmm. of year, so he's been kind of stuck on Chapter 6. But Chapter seven's coming soon. Don't worry. 
Well, what do you want for free, right? <laughs> You've got to be patient for this stuff. He's releasing these free to the Internet. Yep. So, patience. All right. Anyway, 800-259-9231. As we continue the chapters of John's Jail Journal here from Mother Jones, where David Gell's reporting on a man that was arrested for drug uh, dealing and put into the prison system there in Arizona. He spent time, though, not just in prison, but also in old Sheriff Joe Arpaio's notorious jail. And he began uh, smuggling out blog entries to his aunt, who was coming to visit him, and she then transcribed them, and his father in London put them on the Internet for all of us to know what exactly goes on inside this man's jail, or at least a portion of what goes on. He started out by telling us that there was no running water for three days, and the feces piled up so high in their toilet that it peaked above sea level. Mm. Uh, then, in another entry, he says the temperature outside is currently 114 degrees. The trickle of air into our cells feels like hot air blowing from a hairdryer. We're soaked in sweat all day and night. Wow. Between the sweat trickling down my body and the cockroaches tickling my limbs, it's impossible to sleep properly. Last night, while sleeping on my side, my ear filled up with sweat, and when I moved my head, the sweat poured out onto my face. I woke up startled. It felt like someone was touching my cheek. Soon enough, The Guardian excerpted John's jail journal, and shortly after that, the BBC did a story on Atwood. Suddenly, the blog was getting 10,000 hits a month. In time, John's jail journal became more than just a way for Atwood to vent about prison conditions. Derek put up a wish list for Atwood on Amazon.com, and soon strangers were sending Atwood hundreds of books. It got to the point that so many books were coming in, we had to take the Amazon wish list down, said Derek. In turn, Atwood donated them to the prison library. He said, I'd never really read fiction, uh, but that changed. I had a John Updike phase, a Brad Easton Ellis phase. I read all of McCrami, all of Vonnegut, and Tom Wolfe. Shortly before his release, he read a biography of uh, some Russian novelist imprisoned, uh, Solzhenitsyn, actually. Solzhenitsyn. Uh, imprisoned for eight years for criticizing Stalin. Solzhenitsyn chronicled life in the grim labor camps of Kazakhstan. His writings exposed the gulag, and in 1970, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature. Atwood, sweating in Arizona, took heart with this entry. He wrote, I've just finished reading a Solzhenitsyn bio that I started two days ago and couldn't put down. It's as if fate has stepped in just before my release and strengthened my commitment to making a go of writing. My suffering can't compare with what Solzhenitsyn had to endure, yet he rose from prison to spearhead the literary, literary elite of Russia. Death called on him so many times, on the front fighting the Nazis in Russian prisons, and then in the form of cancer. Reading about the odds he overcame has inspired me. Uh, and then, let's see, Atwood's most meaningful relationships, however, will ulti were ultimately not with books, but with his fellow inmates. This, too, was reflected in his journal. Regular readers of the blog came to know a dubious cast of characters that included <laughs> Zena, a six-foot-five she-male, two Tonys, an Irish-Italian murderer serving multiple life sentences in Frankie, an alleged Mexican mafia contract killer. He writes that Frankie is the source of most of the hullabaloo in our pod. He's a recent arrival from the jail's infir uh, infirmary. Last month, Frankie was calmly playing cards in a maximum security pod when an 8-inch shank was suddenly plunged into the back of his neck. Wow. Unfazed, he extracted the shank and was about to return the gesture when the newly arriving guards pepper sprayed him, causing him temporary blindness. The hit-on-the-hit man had failed, and Frankie was dragged from the pod in front of amazed onlookers with blood spurting from the wound. He was cons consequently promoted to our pod, a super-maximum area where inmates are confined to tiny two-man cells for 23 hours every day. 
How, how long were you locked up uh, per day? Per Mark? day? Yeah. Um, well, it, it depends on what you call locked up. Uh, the door to our pod, which housed 20 men, was uh, locked at night from you know, 10 till uh, 6 or, or so. Um, and then, uh, then, then during count times, uh, which seemed innumerable during the day. But um, the door to my room, I, I had the key to. Sometimes he says, I feel like I'm in a Kafka novel. In recent years, other prisoners have been used or have used written correspondence to post profiles on MySpace. But John's Jail Journal is one of the few verifiable prison blogs online and by far the most popular. John's Jail Journal has attracted nearly 500,000 readers in the last three years. Many readers comment on the blog posts and Atwood's father says his email address book now has more than 4,000 entries from people who've contacted his son. These relationships have helped him feel connected to life beyond the prison walls. He says he uh, people write to me from Singapore, New Zealand, the Netherlands, China, and Siberia. I write up to 50 people a month, and all of those people have come about as a result of the blog. They can see that I've transformed the negative into the positive. After nearly 3,000 days and hundreds of blog posts, Atwood was released last year. He's still writing, and his literary ambitions don't end with his blog, but until someone picks up his book, he posts notes from bloggers still behind bars. So uh, look for that online when you get a chance. John's Jail Journal to get a little bit more inside of uh, what happened to John while he was in the prison. Or I can only jail. imagine how uh, extensive that blog must be from all that time in, in jail. Yeah. I'm surprised that they even allowed it to, to happen. I expected to hear re- repercussions coming. Yeah, I did too, and I, I'm actually kind of surprised at that as well. Maybe, who knows, maybe the, the word just didn't reach the uh, the sheriff. It's possible. Well, quite possible. It's a big, big internet. Yeah. The, uh, the toll-free number here is 1-800-259-9231. On this program, we talk about how non-cooperation, or at least I talk about how non-cooperation is what I think is going to be the solution to achieving liberty in our lifetime. Or it'll end up, you know, it'll end up with us all in gulags as well. But I tend to be positive about these things, so I think that uh, things will, will be good when uh, people non-cooperate. I think it will work out. I think it'll show the government for what it really is, and that is nothing more than a band of uh, a gang writ large, as uh, I think, I forget who it was, what liberty-oriented author is, is known for saying that. Rothbard, perhaps? I don't know. But uh, it, that's the point of non-cooperation, as Gandhi showed the world, that you force the government into one of two places. They either crack down and they make themselves look like a gang of thugs, or they ignore you, and then you just get to live free. So we're hoping to put some of the government people into the, those positions more and more often into the future, but it's always nice to see people who are doing it right now, like Westgate Tabernacle Church. In Palm County, Palm Beach County, down in Florida. Now, you don't normally expect a church to be the kind of organization to challenge the state. Not Protestant ones, at least. But these guys are. In fact, they're facing off against Palm Beach County code enforcement. Now, the church that opens its doors, and this is according to SunSentinel.com, the church that opens its doors to all as a shelter as well as a place of worship is defying a county order to take down a tent on its property where homeless people sleep. The citation, which says the church west of West Palm Beach is violating county building codes, said that Westgate needed to take down the tent by Monday. Code enforcement officials will send the case to a special master who will decide if the citation should be enforced with a fine of up to $1,000 a day if the tent remains. 
However, Westgate's leader, Bishop Avis Hill, said he put the 40 by 60 foot tent up because the number of homeless people who've turned to the church for shelter has grown too large. In the few weeks since the tent was put up, as many as 55 men have been sleeping inside the tent. And he said that women of all ages and men over 55 are also sleeping inside the church buildings. So they ran out of room indoors, and so they put up this huge tent, and they're allowing people to stay there. Now, Mark, I understand that you don't really like the homeless very much. Not very fond of them, I'm I must say that they, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they're, you know, they, they hang out in front of businesses. And as a matter of fact, you and I were uh, in, in uh, scenic Brattleboro uh, yes. the, the other day, and there was a uh, gentleman, I, I don't know uh, who he was, that had uh, just purchased a $5 pack of cigarettes and then stood outside the door and asked people for $3 so that he could get to some other town. Yeah. Um, hey, I need $3 to catch the bus to the other, to the next town around or whatever. He just spent 5 bucks on cigarettes. Right. <laughs> and he had the gall to stand there smoking the cigarette, too. Yeah. While he was... Uh, panhandling people. But let's continue here because these guys are giving the homeless a place to stay and the government wants to shut them down. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us, uh, and if you like Free Talk Live and want to help support the show, then become an amplifier. Just go to amp.freetalklive.com to join the program. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It's three bucks a month. That's all we ask you for. And what we do is we take that money in and reinvest it into the program, getting on more radio stations around the country and spreading the message of freedom as far and as wide as possible. You get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only chat room, forum, toll-free, AMP-only call-in lines, and more. Get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about a story out of uh, Palm Beach County down in Florida. Westgate Tabernacle Church is just saying no to the government's demands. Government uh, bureaucrats, they're demanding that they take a tent down uh, by apparently this past Monday. And that if they don't take the tent down, they'll be fined up to $1,000 a day for every single day the tent remains. And the uh, the bishop there at the church, Avis Hill, he is uh, he's not repentant whatsoever. He says, we've got people that need somewhere to stay, and we're going to keep this tent up and allow them to stay here. He says, my plans are to leave this tent up until there's no longer a need for it. And that means I'll leave it up until the county builds a shelter or Jesus comes. At the rate they're going, Jesus will come first. <laughs> Hill said he understands the county's position that the church isn't zoned for a large tent where people can sleep. He offered to move the tent to any land the county will provide for Westgate to provide food and shelter for the homeless. The problem is tents aren't allowed for sleeping purposes, said the zoning bureaucrat, director of Palm Beach County Code Enforcement. So you can have like one of those party tents that doesn't have sides to it or something like that. But when you're talking about a little pup tent, uh, which is meant for sleeping, they don't allow that. Well, this is a big tent. This is a 40 by six, uh, 40 by 60 foot tent. It's big. Uh, and they've got like a bunch of people, as many as 55 men actually sleeping in the tent at mm-hmm. night. So the bureaucrat says it's not a permitted use in any of the zoning districts. We are looking to enforce the codes and make sure what facilities are being provided are safe. And in our opinion, allowing people to sleep in a tent in this fashion is not a safe thing to do. So where should they sleep? I guess uh, on the streets, uh, you know, uh, bus, safe. bus stops and stuff like that. You know, where homeless people tend in the uh, woods, places like that. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, I can't say that. Uh, and by the way, it's not the homeless that I, I dislike. It's 
panhandlers that bother me the yeah. very, very most. But and they're then, the most visible, right? Right. And then the, 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 the people that sort of wander around looking dirty and disheveled that hang out on uh, park benches and those kind of things. Yeah. Those those people bother bother me the next, but uh, yeah, I remember walking to work one morning when I when I was working in downtown Sarasota, Florida, and seeing a guy just sprawled out on the pavement. He was just laying there on the pavement all night sleeping. I guess. I guess. Um, you know, so. Kind of, but a uh, lot of a lot of them, I, I, would th- I would say the vast majority of them don't do that. That what they do is they go find uh, more you know secluded areas that they yeah. can sleep the entire night through without getting bothered by some police officer, and then they find things to, to do during the day. Right. Um, I figured the guy had to be pretty effed up to do what he had done to li- just lay down right there on yeah, the sidewalk. I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know that that it, it's not my lifestyle. I have no right. idea what that's like. But um, you know, I, as far as I'm concerned with this church. You know, I, I I imagine the church to be in some sort of neighborhood. You know, I've, I've imagined a, I've seen a lot of churches that are sort of in these uh, you know neighborhood areas, and I I can't say that I would like it if the church was doing this next door to my house, and if the bums were bothering were coming over to my house and doing something that would really <laughs> bother me, like to the point that I'd be going to talk to the, uh, the the people at the church. Look, hey, you know they're peeing on my side of my house or they they've stolen some stuff. Uh, you know whatever. Uh, and, and, you know, you get that many homeless guys and you're going to get some stuff stolen now and then. Well, it doesn't sound to me like uh, at least the article doesn't suggest that anyone has anyone besides the zoning bureaucrats have complained. In this sure. I have, case. The, the, the city's position is ludicrous. It's not safe. Come on. These guys were, would be sleeping on the streets <laughs> otherwise. It's not safe for them to sleep in a tent together right. and, out and, of the rain. And they can make their own choices for themselves. Thanks very much, zoning bureaucrat. But as an adult, I can decide for myself where I want to put my body at night. And if I choose to you know, put myself under this flammable tent at night, then that's my choice. And I, I should be free to make those choices. Yeah, and, and the other p- piece of uh, freedom that's lost here for every um, you know, other individual is in the enforcement of this, that tents aren't for sleeping, that means that I can't take my little tent um, and you know, my son when we're you know, old enough to, to care to do this. I mean, you know, four months is, doesn't seem like a really good idea. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I imagine my son and I getting a tent and going out in the woods and uh, you know, building a little fire and talking and, and then oh, going to sleep under the stars have, and that kind of thing. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. But just... it's according to the rules that they're they're saying here that you can't do that. Well, I'm sure there's some sort of exemption for little tents for, you know, dad and son to go out and have a camping Not according trip. to the explanation I've heard here. Well, you know, they're just pulling something out of their butt. You right. Know? And that's what they're doing. And, and then, then, then what you have is arbitrary enforcement of rules. Of and course. I don't believe in arbitrary enforcement <laughs> of rules. That's what the government does. Anyway, the confrontation, in- interestingly enough, is not the first for the church, which is the only place in the county where a person can walk in off the street and seek shelter for the same night. An ongoing court battle is continuing between Westgate and the county over code violations for several years So far, the county says Westgate has racked up tens of thousands of dollars in fines, and Hill contends that the county is simply trying to shut him down. You know, I wonder why they haven't done that yet. Is the county concerned about how it'll look if they go in and kick uh, an old pastor out of his church? I suspect that's exactly what they're concerned with. Right. So this is, again, going back to what I was talking about, where non-cooperation forces the government into a position. The government would really like for this guy to come in there and negotiate with them. They'd really like for him to come in and say, okay, guys, I'll pay, you know, how about I pay you 50% of the fines? All right, fine. We'll make it go away for 50%. Because this is money. It's found money for them. They they wouldn't have had the money other, otherwise. So this is why we see the government when they, uh, when they, for instance, went after Sam, our friend down in Texas, with, with a, a fine. They were willing to cut that fine down and, and reduce it. 
simply to get you to pay something. So I'm sure they would love it for these guys to pay something and obey their uh, their diktats. Right, and and the fine has nothing to do with uh, anyone at all. Uh, the, the fine goes to the, t- the, the, t- the city, and they, they spend it on whatever the hell they want to spend it on. If there's anyone harmed in this uh, circumstance, it's the people that live nearby to this church who maybe, maybe have to deal with a, a truckload of, uh, of homeless people um, on a regular basis or, you know, even have to look at the, um, the, the tent or, you know, they, they can claim these kind of, uh, you know, bothers. Those people won't get anything. Inside the tent, Patrick Charles, who's 21, said his mom kicked him out two weeks ago because she didn't believe he was really looking for a job. Since then, he spent most of his days filling out job applications and most of his nights at Westgate. The tent isn't that comfortable, he said. There are mosquitoes, and he sleeps on a bedroll and bo- on boards on the ground. A lot of people don't have a place to go, he said, and right now it's hard. People would rather sleep in a tent than behind a dumpster. It's safe here. Yeah, and that's um, it, that's good enough for me. It right, they're feels, not going to get they're not going to get hurt by uh, somebody out on the street. I, well, they could know. get hurt by another homeless guy. You never they, know. They could, but at the very least, they have the protection of people that uh, understand their particular circumstances. Sure, and their people are around at all times. And also, I don't know what the the church's program is like, but I presume they have some sort of uh, program. I mean, they're not just letting people stay forever. They're probably consulting with them. They're probably encouraging them to get out and get jobs. And at least that's the impression that I've gotten from many of these organizations that are out there providing services many like organizations this. do that we don't know that um you know it's not mentioned in here just like the uh, you know bothers right. to the neighbors aren't mentioned right so uh, i don't think we can uh, make it jump to any conclusions it would i would hope that they're offering those kind of things to people but uh, you know my my guess is that if they're doing it for the love of jesus that they're probably not uh, b- bothering to to check and see if these guys are actually going to get homes just a guess well, I don't know about that, Mark, because as a charity, you want to make sure that your charitable dollars are being uh, the most effective they can possibly be. I know that, that if I were doing this uh, tent, I would be consulting with these guys. You know, I'd I'd check in with them and, and make sure that they were doing something besides just kind of That's what the, the Salvation resources. Army would do. Exactly. But the Salvation Army is an organization for homeless people. Um, I don't yeah. know that I, I don't know that that's the case. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. The pastor says, Our contention is we're not a business but a church, and under the Constitution we have certain rights to worship the Lord under the dictates of our heart. The purpose of the church is to help people who are hurting. And I just have to say congratulations to this guy, this uh, bishop, whoever he is, Pastor Hill or Bishop Hill. I mean, because this is uh, pretty ballsy. This is pretty courageous Mm -hmm. to stand up in the face of these scary county thugs who are threatening him with thousands, a thousand dollars a day in fines for this, who has done this in the past. And he's, I think, a shining example of non-cooperation with the state. And I just wish more people would do this. If more people would take this uh, this sort of position and not cooperate, then we'd have tremendous results in such a fast manner, it would be mind-boggling. Well, with the church, it's even a little bit easier because, um, you know, Pastor Luke there, what's his name? Um, he doesn't have yeah. anything to lose in, in the sense of, you know, in, in the uh, the most direct sense. It's not like an investment, you It's mean? not his house. That much is true. You know, so. there were some activists here in New Hampshire that were looking at buying uh, a church that was for sale and letting people live in it, which probably would be a zoning violation. It's probably uh, against the law to live in a church building, if that's not what it's zoned for. More on the way. You can bring up what you want. Hour 2 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? 
First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. Free Talk Live, it's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features on the site, they're free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We'll start things out this hour with an email and then... From John's Jail Journal that we mentioned last hour, we'll give you tips on how to survive in Joe Arpaio's jail system. Uh, but first, Mark, to your email box. What do you have for us? Got an email from Elizabeth. She said, um, hey, Mark, I agree with your comment about uh, paid killers that you made during last Saturday's show. And um, last Saturday, for those who weren't listening, um, there, there was a, a veteran on. We were talking about uh, national service and the draft, and he started out his conversation after buttering a, us up a great deal by uh, asking if either one of us had served the military. And uh, you know, I guess I guess I was irritated, and and I'm certainly you know I I don't you know I'm not a big fan of the military, mm-hmm. and uh, I said nope, never been a paid killer. And he, you know, sputtered and got all irate and said, you shouldn't even live in this country. Yep, that's what um, he said. And uh, so, you know, that was the, the uh, point there. It was a little strong and negative in nature, but it's accurate. And I don't think anybody's disputed that on the show. At the uh, time, I did question the wording. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that without provocative language, discussion would cease. I think the provocative language is what challenges people and really makes them think. I, also, I don't agree. I, I think it shut him down, and he didn't think one, uh, one bit about uh, what you were saying. That said, I do understand that people in the audience may have done more thinking than he did, and that's the most important part is getting the audience to ask questions. But I think you could have had the same uh, thoughtfulness, uh, thoughtful response from the audience if you'd asked a question well, as opposed to made a declaration like that. In, in, the, in that declaration, somebody who listened, uh, some, some percentage of people out there got it more than they would have ever gotten it before by using the paid killers comment. But I'm not sure that I um, that percentage is very high, and I think I probably could have affected more people by being a little more uh, diplomatic. But we, uh, everybody makes mistakes, and we can't think about what we're going to say always before we say it, especially yep. when we're on the radio for three hours a night. Yep. I also agree with your comment on uh, 8.5 saying that vets are romantic sycophants. Uh, as I uh, listened to Saturday's show, I just kept hearing the desperation in the vets' voices to legitimize their own service. They really want to believe the story they've been told. That is, that they uh, the, the allegation that they have been protecting freedom. 
They want to believe that because if if they found out that it wasn't true, then everything that they'd spent right. their time on that would be for naught. That they were in fact, foot, um, you know, just, just uh, foot soldiers for the politicians to, right. uh, you know, to help their corporate friends and getting whatever it is that they want. It must be a similar feeling, though, maybe not quite as profound to somebody who has been uh, integrated in the political system, like a city councilor or someone like that, who believes that what they're doing is right, who believes that they're what they're doing is the way things should be done, and then they find out. Perhaps from what our sh- from listening to our show or whatever, however they f- come across it, maybe the liberty activism here in New Hampshire, they come to the understanding that uh, no, actually, what they've been doing is they've been enabling uh, this gang called government to control people's lives, and because they've been a part of it, and that must be a real uncomfortable realization. I don't think you necessarily have to enable the gang by um, being a member of the city council or whatever, but I'd say by by and large, most city councilors do. They don't want to think that they've served in vain, and people disagreeing with the National Service Act and not showcasing enthusiasm for indentured servitude threatens their legitimacy, Mm -hmm. their time serving their country. This is especially made apparent when one caller demanded that you show respect for him as a veteran by um, by not asking him question or asking him to clarify his point. Ever since the end of World War II, and probably before then, there has been a romanticization of military service and or being married to a military man. What, it, it wasn't like that beforehand? I don't know. I would imagine it would have been. I, I, you know, that, that, that's, that's her statement. Okay. Um, it's all part of the uh, government propaganda to stir up nationalist, uh, she says, parenthetically, uh, jingoist emotions, mm-hmm. and be ready for what the government deems as necessary. I think the vets and the citizens who defend the National Service Act are affected or blinded by this. And I, 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 you know, I'd contend that nationalist is a type of jingoism. Nationalism is a type of jingoism. I mean, like it, it just sort of has to be by its, its nature. Um, jingoism. I, I, now you're, I, uh, yeah, I see you're looking it up, but you're, <laughs> you, it, it makes me want to uh, explain it. And I would say that it's just sort of, uh, you know, a, sort of a mantra that you have to. Uh, you know the, the the state gives you propaganda. Yeah, Webster defines propaganda. Webster defines jingoism as extreme chauvinism or nationalism marked especially by a belligerent foreign policy. Okay, I think that uh, that sounds right. I think that it's uh, I think that pro- provocative language is the issue with the radio station in Montana. People are made uncomfortable by strong opinionated language that is backed with factual issues. But what depth does a person have if they've never been made feel uncomfortable? Mm. Nothing will change if people always prefer talking heads that just profess the same rhetoric. I think that people's uh, opposition to your show is a testament to the tough topics that you cover on your show. And that when you uh, challenge the caller to produce valid arguments, you also challenge the listener who agrees with the caller's viewpoints. Absolutely the case. You know, we were, and as you mentioned, we were in Brattleboro the other day, Vermont, the neighboring city in Vermont. I guess you can call it a city, but... Uh, and we were at the radio station there. We're going to, I guess I can, well, we're, we're, I guess we can announce it in advance. Uh, WKVT in Vermont has signed on to pick up our Saturday show, and we went there this week to fill in for their morning program. And I know kind of give them a taste of what what yeah, life will be like with yeah. uh, Free Talk Live on the air. And I know that our listeners uh, will probably want to hear that archive. I'm doing my Working best to it. get my hands on it. I don't know when I'm going to get it, so patience on that. Um, but. We had a good time, and it was a good show, and we interacted with their audience, and uh, th- there was uh, some iconoclasm, as there always is with Free Talk Live. And, and, uh, it was, and, and KVT is uh, one of these progressive stations. Right. This was, and, and, then, and that progressive station is in Brattleboro, Vermont, and 
if you haven't been there, you don't even know, you can't even begin to guess what a town like Brattleboro, Vermont is like. You, you think Seattle's liberal? You don't even have the depth <laughs> of it because Seattle has just so many people in it. Yeah. It can't have the depth of, uh, you know, far, 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 far left. Kind yeah, these of, are the hardcore. I mean, you know, the, the people confessed to being anarcho-communists on the air. Yeah, I was pretty More surprised than one. Uh, well, they didn't use that term. They used the term anarchist. But, uh, in um, the traditional sense is what okay. she said. Well, what does that mean? But what I, the reason I even brought it up was because the program director... But the other director, guy just said he was an anarchist. The program director, Peter, uh, talked to us afterwards, and they commented, he and I think the sales manager, whoever that chick was that you were talking to... I, I, said, uh, I don't, know, don't know what her title was. I know she's on air. They commented that they were enjoying the fact that their listeners were being challenged. They liked that their listeners were getting upset, uh, that these, uh, that, well, the callers at least were getting upset. And they enjoyed that because what they normally get on that station is preaching to the choir. And they liked, they appreciated that. I, I was glad to, you know, it was nice to hear that after we'd, we'd heard all these things from, uh, from our listeners in Montana about how awful we were. And so, you know, that was, that was quite good. Um, and, it, and it shows that, that iconoclasm can work. Uh, when you've got a, a crew well, of people it, at the radio station, I think that the is, growth of the show shows that iconoclasm works. Well, right, for but us. but you've got people that are at the radio station that understand that you don't have to program your station to be sort of this mouthpiece for one side or the other of the political realm. Uh, our our affiliate in uh, Alabama, WVNA, we follow the Ed Schultz program there. That's a sort of a liberal. Uh, type, uh, but Democrat. they also have Let's Rush, just say Democrat for him. But they also have Rush Limbaugh on during the daytime, so it's it's a kind of a radio station where they cover all kinds of uh, bases as far as viewpoints is concerned. And they don't have people protesting their radio station. They don't have people protesting the content on the air there. So it's just a you know a few loudmouths really. That's all it is that we're that we're dealing with here. And unfortunately, well, some people, people take them too seriously. I think you want people to be passionately involved in your radio station one way or the other. And uh, you know whatever decision they make in Montana is going to be their decision. Sure. I, I don't I don't know what uh, you know to do about it. I would say that uh, this may be the first time they've come up against this kind of opposition. Yeah, I don't know. You know what I found funny was there was a guy called last night from Montana, Mac, I believe his name was, and he said, um, you know, he, he said he voted against us in in this uh, big vote. And the funny thing is, is the two points that he brought up. He agreed with us on mm-hmm. like exactly the same points. He'd said that uh, he wanted, you know, that if we stopped uh, giving away welfare, that the uh, the Mexicans would go away. That's what we say, you know, the the bad ones, um, it, it, from his point of view. And then, uh, you know, we made some other point, and we agreed with it. Um, so, but he voted against us. But he voted against us. What? <laughs> I mean, it's what? because we probably said something that offended him at some point, and some people they just don't want to be offended. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's more to the email, Mark. A little bit. All right, we'll get to that, and we'll talk to Mike in Illinois and take your calls as well. Ladies, you come first if you dial in toll free at one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is free. Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. 
Again, freetalklive.com. And travel less, meet online, try WebEx free. Go to WebEx.com, enter the promo code 600, and you'll get to start your free trial of WebEx, including a free webcam. That's WebEx. Go to WebEx, W-E-B-E-X.com, enter the promo code 600, and start your free trial of WebEx today. And again, don't forget uh, to join the discussion forum over at bbs.freetalklive.com. Uh, over 375,000 posts, all for free for you. BBS. .freetalklive.com. We continue the email here about uh, the caller over the weekend, one of the military guys that was uh, very upset, very upset about what you said to him about the military being paid killers. And uh, the email is making some pretty good points here. Yep. Uh, people are not used to being challenged. People are used to being told what they already believe. And I think that this is, uh, you know, this is, I, I think about this as far as uh, what, what people consume as far as news media, mm-hmm. Fox News is you know widely widely watched, and yeah, people I, I've heard O'Reilly call it the right hand uh, you know right side of the uh, spectrum, and um, you know people listen to NPR they uh, you know they're probably lefties to some extent. I mean I'm only generalizing here. I listen to NPR and I enjoy okay. it a great deal, and I think that people are sort of naturally drawn to uh, you know stuff that uh, that corroborates what it is that they already believe. It's comfortable and. You know, Free Talk Live may corroborate a great deal of what uh, people believe, but there's got to, there's there's something that we believe that's different than just about everybody oh, else yeah. out there. You listen, if you agree with what we're what we're saying in the beginning, eventually there's going to be some sort of firebomb thrown out that's going to you know shatter that. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't like terminology like firebomb simply because uh, you know the, the things that verbal bomb. Well, I, I know I, I, some 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 statement that's going to get you whipped up. Something but we believe in. Right. We believe in peace, personal responsibility, uh, you know, those mm. kind of things. And so, therefore, there's no firebomb statement in that there's no threat to what we say. That's true. There may be a threat to your uh, paradigm, but that's about it. Yeah. And as for people who uh, tell you how to run your show and what you're doing right and wrong, they should get their own show. <laughs> I think you're right uh, when you say that um, they should be able to cur- that you should be able to curtail callers who veer off topic. I I th- I think that this is what I um this is what I think that callers don't quite get about our points is that if you get on the air and you talk about you want to talk about something and you've got seven points to to back up the thing that you say yeah and the first point I disagree with how am I going to let you get through your statement of seven points when I disagree with the first point likely disagree with all seven points yeah um, if if it is that if you're you know disagreeing with me it's I, impossible because then you have to address the first point and by the time the you seventh, started to right. address the first point the caller wants to jump in and, and counteract something you've said you never had the chance to even get to the point number two as right. far as getting your thoughts out so that doesn't it doesn't work this is a in conversation talk, right in talk radio the way it has to be um, you know due to the limited nature and, and that kind of thing I mean we're not sitting we're not sitting over coffee we can't discuss it in that manner um you we it has to be a point by point assessment of things that are said absolutely and in that case if you're somebody who's calling in and it's a busy night on the phones uh you know and we don't have a whole lot of time to go through all seven points then call the next night and go to point number 2 if we if we spend 10 minutes debating point number 1 that's good um that gives you you know an opportunity to spend 
a few more minutes with us the next night debating point number two. So I think yeah. that's salient. And, and and you know, I mean that and what that requires is for you to be in conversation. It's not you know, it's not a drive by. You don't call up, Oh my god, they said something I hate. Um you know, I've I've just been I just tuned in, they they said something I hate, I'm gonna call in and I'm gonna lambast them and I'm gonna turn them off and disgust. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, this is a conversation. You simply can't go about that that, that this way, that way. It's just not gonna work. Um, but she she goes on and she says, and I don't think that I don't think she's quite got how the show works either. Um, you should be able to curtail callers who veer off topic. How does trying to convince you of alien landings contribute to the discussion of liberty in our lifetime? Oh, we don't mind callers going off topic, right? And w- the show there is no topic. the show isn't really entirely about liberty in our lifetime. Sure, that's what we want and that's what we believe in, but the show's not about that. No, the, the show's, show's about, about open phones. You call in about anything, right? We pick topics that uh, certainly. Address the growth of government. Yeah, well, inevitably people will call in and they'll have things they want to say about issues, and then when the issues come up, we address them from a pro-liberty perspective. But yep. no, it is not a, it is not first and foremost a liberty-promoting program. It's just the, you know, a nice little perk. Yeah, in the major perk of the program. If you don't, if they don't like how your show is run, they should try, shouldn't try to control and change you. And I think that this is, you know, when it, when we say it's your show, Free Talk Live, I think that that certainly gives the impression that uh, people can call in and give a symposium on what it is that they believe and what they would like to see and that kind of thing. And we don't really run it that way. It's Free Talk Live. You have the opportunity to talk to us about, you know, what it is and your, uh, you know, that we're talking about. And your conversa- our conversation will be heard by thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. They shouldn't try to control or change you. They should try to make their own. They can talk about uh, chemtrails, alien landings, and lizard men all they want. Uh, speaking of that, by the way, there was a uh, video that somebody posted to the BBS mm-hmm. of a woman who used her video camera to record a rainbow she saw in her sprinkler in her backyard. Did mm-hmm. you see this video? No. Oh, you need to go. You I need don't. to go see it uh, because it really just shows that the conspiracy hole, the uh, the crackpot uh, rabbit hole, really even goes deeper than chemtrails and the lizard men. Like it goes deeper into the realm of total ins- total insanity and madness. Uh, and I actually sent this woman an email to see if we could get her on the show because she's totally nuts. Like seeing, <laughs> Why do you want to seeing do that light to re- seeing light refracted in your. Uh, your sprinkler in the backyard and thinking that that's some sort of met- metallic stuff that's in your water being poisoned and oh, that sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, she's nuts. Anyway, w- w- hopefully we'll get her on the air. She says, um, she finishes up by keep on, uh, keep up the good work, guys. You're the definition of a patriot. Um, you know, I, I, I just finished a book called Them by John Ronson, and it's about uh, the guy who infiltrated the Bohemian Grove with Alex Jones. And it's Conversations with Extremists is what uh, it's called. And I, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to get another view on some of these thought processes as far as the, the Bilderbergs and New World Order and all that stuff. And John shed some light in, in that area for me. And But, you know, sort of... Alex Jones believes that David Icke is a plant by the CIA or something like that in Does order he? to throw okay. off, um, you know, people from b- believing the truth, which is that there's a new world order of, you know, uh, you know, I don't know what it is that he believes entirely. Owl worshipping elites. Right. And, uh, you know, John went to the same uh, Bohemian Grove activity, and what he saw was a, a themed uh, campground, uh, you know, an owl themed camp campground where uh you know the, the elite. elite yeah the elites certainly went about and and right. had um, crazy parties what but, does it matter 
matter if they sacrifice, uh, you know, a goat or not. They didn't I sacrifice mean, a goat, though. Right. Well, I they, don't know. They Whatever burned they in do, effigy a, an a effigy. character that a character that they but called Care. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to me uh, if that's what they're doing or if they're just having a little, uh, you know, uh, the cooking s'mores over the campfire. Well, I mean, the fact is, people who are in power want more of it. They're going to meet up with one another to talk about how they can attain more power, and that's what's going on. And there was right? a bit of that going on there, certainly, yeah. and, and um, it was overheard by Alex Jones and. The, the, it's interesting how two people can see two entirely different things yeah. in the same experience. I, for instance, just went uh, you know this a uh, couple of weekends ago to Burning Pork. At Burning Pork, we had a an effigy of an animal that was on fire, and uh, there was a uh, uh, you know a, a funeral ceremony for the Libertarian Party, yes. and there was a casket and a man in robes. <laughs> it was a very satanic experience. They were celebrating death yeah. with this burning animal. Lawrence's like, husband looked like a druid. More right, coming back. It's you just can, how people could see it. You can bring up. What you want, Mike and Dave coming up. Your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they are for free, so enjoy those on us, including live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version. Both are free, so enjoy them. Again, free at freetalklive.com. And you also can shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. If you want to help support Free Talk Live, it's a great way to do it. Because when you enter through that link, Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live. So you get the stuff that you need at a great price because it's Amazon. They don't have the overhead of all those retail locations that they have to pay for. So the prices are great. The service is pretty darn good from what I understand. I've never needed service from Amazon, so I can't really comment personally, but I hear good things. And uh, satisfaction, all the brands you're looking for, great prices again, and free Super Saver shipping on a whole bunch of items, 41-plus categories to shop in, so much stuff. Buy it at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Well, you know, what I like about uh, buying things from Amazon is I always I'm, I'm too, I always get the Super Saver shipping, so it takes I don't know how long to get to me, but long enough that I've forgotten that I bought it. Oh, and then it shows up, and oh, boy, it's, it's like a package. A present. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so send a present to yourself at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. As we go to your phone calls, and Mike is on the line in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Oh, I've got a couple things. Uh... I'd like to make an analogy uh, about the uh, guys from Montana. I know it's not all the guys listening in Montana that are like this, but the uh, conspiracy guys. Well, I don't think uh, it's – and they're not limited to Montana either. And, right, right, but they're the ones calling the station, you know. I, I guess know, we maybe. Can... We, we've been told that uh, it's also just people that don't like our position on immigration, so I don't know – you know, if so that's is it more necess- of an immigration thing, you think, or is it more of the, I, I the don't know fact what to that think. you don't buy into the, all the conspiracies? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, I, you know, I can go from what the station owner has told me, and he has told me that it is primarily our position on immigration and the Constitution. Which I oh, well, that kind of ruined my analogy. Then. But the, but that said, I'm sure there's an immigration or there's a, uh, there's a crackpot somebody, factor. The, the, there's, yeah, you know, I mean, there's... The, the, the immigration is a whole other thing. I mean, that just comes down to whether the people that that are mad about 
your position really believe in liberty or not? Are they are they just for their certain brand of liberty for certain people? Right. It's you it's know. liberty for Americans. Liberty for the, it's well, a closed club mentality. It's like uh, we're already here. We don't want anybody else coming in. That's kind of the idea. We right, want our freedom, crazy. but the, the rest of you and the rest of the world to hell with you. That's kind of the mentality. Exactly. But you know, mainly I was speaking to the uh, conspiracy type people, and uh, I you know I just want to say that you know sure there's some, some some conspiracies out there that are that are real things, but the the fact that you're not speaking to them. And giving him, you know, platitudes of like an hour to talk about him, that kind of is what my analogy is. Like if you think, okay, think of Mark and Ian in a lifeboat, and then you've got ten of these guys in the lifeboat with them. And ten there's of the conspiracy cooks? There's holes, yeah. There, okay. there's, there's holes in the lifeboat. And all the conspiracy kooks are sitting there with cameras, and, you know, and they're getting DNA off of the... Uh, the holes in the lifeboat. And, you know, Mark and Ian are sitting there trying to figure out, well, how are we going to plug the lifeboat? How are we going to fix it? Where the conspiracy guys are saying, look, look, don't you see? Don't you see the holes? It was the NWO. They created the holes. They're they're applying um, to to it some kind of story to the hole. You know, they're they're saying, you know, they're... they're, Right. It's like, and they just want to prove to everybody the holes are there, but everybody sees the holes in the lifeboat. That's not the problem. The problem is nobody is addressing how to fix the holes. I think that's an interesting. You guys are doing. I think you're drawing an interesting analogy, and it does tie into the other thing the station owner told me. He said that they also got complaints from people who didn't like the fact that we were promoting the Free State Project, which was kind of shocking to me. They suggested that it was so youthful and idealistic. And that they didn't think that it would have any effect, and uh, that you know it wasn't it wasn't a good oh, idea. So, so I wonder if uh, old, uh, Lloyd, who's uh, got to be in his 60s, moved for the Free State Project. I wonder what he think, thinks about that. Well, uh, I wrote uh, I wrote the station owner back, and I said, you know, I'd be happy to put you in touch with somebody who is uh, because he said that he thinks that maturity and wisdom was the main issue with the uh, the listeners. Right. That we and, aren't and if wise I, enough, right? If I'm not mature enough, and I'm not wise enough, yeah, I don't. So let's just keep doing what we've it. done for 200 years in this country. Yeah. You know, your idealistic ideas, your Crazy, you know, free state project, yep. you know, that we can't do that. We can't do something like that. That's too new and new wave and crazy. Yeah, that's pretty much the, the attitude. Right? I can see how a local station owner, and it's, it's often concerned me, would be uh, disturbed by all our conversation about what goes on with us here in New Hampshire and what goes on with the uh, uh, the free state project. I can see. He didn't say he was disturbed. I'm just saying that I can see. Uh, These the, are the list. He was relaying he's listeners' disturbed concerns. by the dis- uh, the disruption. If there was no disruption, um, then he would probably be happy. And so he's disturbed. Yeah, by that. you know, you know what that station owner though, he should take into consideration that the fact that these guys are calling in so upset about what you guys are saying proves that they're listening. <laughs> and that even if they're just a small percentage of your of that station's listeners, even the ones that don't agree with you are still listening. So what is that should tell him right there. We they we've got a good thing going. I agree with you, sir, and I thank you for the call tonight. A great, yep. great point. 800-259-9231. Well, and he th- wants to keep us on the air in uh, Montana. Why wouldn't we agree with him? <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. You can bring up what you want. Coming up here, uh, we got an email on kind of a personal issue, uh, the parenting uh, issue. that we, we talked about parenting recently in regards to uh, drug use and a very, very young child, like mm. an eight-year-old or something like yeah. that. And uh, Daryl has emailed with some thoughts. Let's go, though, to your calls. Dave is on the line listening to KGEZ. Hello, Dave. Hey, how you doing, guys? Hey, what's doing on your good. mind, dude? Hey, a lot of the callers up here are like Congress, man. They, they're they just old guys sitting their ways. They don't want to hear nothing. 
<laughs> they just want to hear what they want to hear. And I think they're afraid of real freedom, like, you know, like with the immigrant thing, man. You know, I don't know. Well, it's and scary. Then, I mean, people coming in that are different than you. Oh, my goodness. Like, they got side side things on, you know, like blinders, man. Mm -hmm. If they don't like what you're saying, all of a sudden you're a pothead and you don't know nothing. And and like the guy before me, you got to fix the hole. And one of the holes is that we got 800,000 political prisoners for a plant and 300,000 clogging up our courtrooms. And if they don't address the marijuana problem, it just shows me that they're ignorant fools that allow all this money just just to be wasted and go support more evil or whatever. And any of the politicians, if they don't see it, they're just damn ignorant because yep. there's so many people that are users of the plant cannabis that want it for clothes, want it for millions of other reasons other than the smoke. It's the best thing for the planet. And if we don't get this plant legalized they're all corrupt man and they're all ignorant and they're all yeah it's one or the other they're either they corrupt get. or they're ignorant because they could show the american people by legalizing this most fabulous plant most useful plant on the planet that the creator has ever given to mankind and, and use it <laughs> for good I don't want to hear what they say. They're they're, they're all out in Zorbo land, man. Yeah, Zorbo and, land. <laughs> and, and then they're gonna they'll just say, "Well, see, he's a pothead." Do you hear how he talks? You and I, you know how come I skip and I stutter sometimes? It's because I want to say a bad word. Yeah. And I and it don't and I know you'll hang right up on me if it yes, comes I out. Yes, we have to, unfortunately. But I wish I could just go on to serious one time with you guys and talk the way I want to talk mm. because. Then I think the message will get across. Or nah, I whatever. think you. I think Dave. I honestly believe that uh, your impassioned way of talking about well, honestly, everything you you call in about, and you have some some really great catchphrases that you'll use now and then that I think that really catch people's attention. I believe that you've uh, that you've been able to use the platform that is Free Talk Live through the radio station that is KGEZ. You've been able to get your voice out to tens of thousands of people and affect them because. You've decided to use Free Talk Live for... Well, they, tell, they accuse me of calling all the radio stations. And I tell them, you know why? Because I got an agenda, man. Good. Because I see all this ignorance, man. And I know there's like 40,000 people that use the plant cannabis. This is and if a... any politician has the balls enough to step forward and fight with us... There are not you know very how many. many people will be on this guy's It would side? be great. Thank you, Dave, for the call. Appreciate it, as always. 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the Sickle CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Do you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, innerknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. Save 10% on your order if you use the code FTL at checkout. That's innerknobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. Or see their banner on our website at freetalklive.com. 
800-259-9231. Last hour, we told you about John's Jail Journal. It was a story about a man who was arrested for uh, drugs, drug dealing, and he happened to be arrested in Arizona, unfortunately, in Maricopa County. And he ended up being put in Joe Arpaio's jail, as well as uh, several prisons in the, the state of Arizona as well. And so they just barely began to tell his story in the in the article. So I went and dug through johnsjailjournal.blogspot.com and found a couple of interesting entries. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of interesting entries. I just obviously don't have time to read through them all during the program and during the breaks. But one of them that really caught my attention here, and Mark is a, a man who spent nine years in the prison system in Florida. Maybe you can uh, comment on some of these. But are the uh, the tips... I can comment on them anyway. The tips on how to survive Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jail system. So here you go. As, as far as survival goes, um, my experience... I, you know, <laughs> there was one guy that was killed in prison while I was there the entire eight years, uh, six months, and 21 days. The way so you- surviving it... Um, there were quite a few people uh, committed suicide, maybe uh, you know, a yeah. half dozen or something like that. And a couple, and I believe one at least died of old age um, in the, uh, the dormitory that I was in. So surviving, I'm not sure that surviving is really an issue, at least where I was. The uh, well, I think that Joe, Sheriff Joe's system is a little bit was a little more rough and tumble than perhaps the system that you were in. Let's go with the story here. I was in the uh, mo- what, what was considered the most violent prison in the state of Florida at the time, and in incidents of violence, but. I get the impression, maybe it's just from movies or something like that, that it's uh, a lot tougher out in Arizona and California and that kind of thing with the uh, g- gangs. Tip? No, well, there were gangs in your prison. Yeah, right? there were gangs, but they, I, you know, the fact is I didn't have any problems with them. That's good. I, well, I, you know, I had problems. I didn't, uh, you know, get any large scraps or anything. Well, here is what you need to know if you end up in old Sheriff Joe's custody. Number one. If you don't want to end up with the mystery meat slop the inmates call Red Death, and we can tell you more about Red Death here in a bit, there's a whole article about it, then when you uh, first enter the jail, tell the booking officer you need a religious diet. Claiming Hindu will get you vegetarian food. The Jewish food is considered the best, but you'll have some explaining to do to the Aryan Brotherhood. Number two. When you arrive at your assigned pod, dorm, or tent, do not hide your charges or else you'll be suspected of crimes against children and get smashed. If the inmates tell you to roll up as soon as you get there and offer no further explanation, then you are in imminent danger. So ask to be moved unless you're the type of person who enjoys fighting five people at once. You familiar with that phrase, Mark? Roll up? Uh, It's it's rolling up your uh, mat. You're given a uh, mattress of sorts, and it's a crappy mattress, and you would roll all your stuff into that mattress and carry it like a big uh, uh, pig and blanket. And they would be telling you that why? Because they don't want you around them? Is that the idea? Uh, it, it sounds like it. Number three, immediately ask who the head of your race is and be aware of the political rules he is enforcing. For example, if you're white and an Aryan brother is running the whites and you go and sit at a table with the Mexicans, Mexican-Americans or African-Americans, you may get smashed. Number four, when you get to your first chow, sit down last because you don't want to sit on the seat of someone who likes to knock people out for the slightest affront. Find out who sits where and ask someone where it's safe for you to sit. Number five, feel free to interrupt anybody. You know, I, I wonder, uh, this is not my experience, uh, it, uh, believe me. And first off, you know, no, no, look, I sat here because this is where I felt like sitting. Until you have engraved your name on this seat, it isn't your seat. All right. Let me uh, let me tell you a story. I, uh, I had a, you know, the, the new guys would often work in the dining hall and... Uh, you know, new guys 
want to prove themselves for some reason or another. I had been at this uh, prison for, you know, that they, they lovingly called gladiator school for, uh, you know, probably five years at this point. And, uh, you know, I was sitting, I, I went into an early child, so this guy was a dining hall worker. He was eating so that then he could, you know, serve people at, um, later. And because of my job, I needed to go to the early child. Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend was there at the table, and the guy said, you going to eat that cookie? Like in a very menacing uh, sort of way. Uh-huh. And this was a very big black man. And, you know. It, and you were a little guy. I mean, you weren't a huge dude, right? No, no. I was about 100 and probably 85. Oh, really? Uh, you bulked up at that point? Because um, I thought you were kind of skinny when you got put in. Sure. This was, I was there at five years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Point. I missed that point. Okay. Um, and he said, You can eat that cookie. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I, you know, I wasn't real married to it one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I wasn't terribly hungry. I'm like, I'll let you know. He said, I'll take your cookie, cracker. <laughs> <laughs> and I had my drink up to my mouth, and, and I, I guess I was feeling somewhat dramatic, and I said, so I put my drink down loudly. There's nobody in the, uh, the dining hall at this point as far as officers go, and mm-hmm. you know, no one to uh, watch this. And I stood up and leaned over the table um, at him, and I looked, him, looked at him right in the eye, and I said, well, what's wrong with your takers then? So I, I was just kidding. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to get <laughs> in your face then. You know, so, you yeah. know, like, that's that, that's how you handle those situations. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he's talking about a very, very violent this place. This sounds and, like a violent place. I mean, remember but, the story from earlier, the guy got a shank in the back of a neck. His neck. I certainly saw people get shanked. I saw a guy get his ear uh, bit off. But often you... you uh, you know, you you find you find you that those guys have gotten themselves into that. Right. He explains why here in a moment. Why the the violence tends to happen. Number five, don't run up drug or gambling debts. There debts you go. are the number one reason for jail violence. There you go. Um, don't you know? Don't mess around with the uh, the the boys as um, they're called in prison. Don't mess around with the uh, homosexuals because somebody could fall in love with one of them, and then he fi- finds you as a rival. Two, don't gamble. Don't owe people money. Don't borrow things. Um, you know, I, I'm not talking about a book. I'm talking about don't borrow, you know, sweetie gold, zoom zooms, wham whams, uh, you know, candy bars and, and things what, like what that. What about being a lender? Does that put you in a dangerous position? Being if you've got a lender, you better people be, want. You you better be prepared to uh, you know you've got to be prepared to to back up uh, your, yeah. your your loan with violence. Number six, if you brag or act tough, no matter how big you are, someone will want to smash you. The gangs go in like packs of hyenas on big men. Number seven, if you must do drugs, clean the works. There are hundreds of men sharing one dirty syringe throughout Arpaio's jail system. I never saw heroin once. Hepatitis C is rampant and TB not uncommon. The way Arpaio runs the jail constitutes a public health risk. Number eight, same goes for tattoos. I think, by the way, I was thinking about this the other night. It, prisons really should be, able, should, be, should be able to give out uh, condoms or sell them at the very least in the commissary mm-hmm. because prisons are, fac- are like AIDS factories, AIDS cesspools. And these guys, the vast majority of them are going to get out. They're going to have sex with women. And somewhere or not along the line, um, you or somebody you love is going to be in danger because of you know, the cesspool of uh, HIV and other diseases that's going on there. And you know, having that many men packed in in an area having that many human beings, any kind of animal at all, you're going to have disease uh, bred. And, you know, the fact is humans spread to humans the most easily. He says that uh, apparently one man, uh, one inmate he met had contracted AIDS from getting a jailhouse tattoo. Number nine. I don't believe it. 
It sounds it sounds very unlikely. You would have to try very, very, very hard to get that done. I guess it was just his story, right? He's just believing his story. Right. Um, you know, be, you know, A lot of stories in jail. It, you would have to essentially go from one guy to the next guy to the next guy in order for this to happen. Number nine, don't flaunt money or get a lot put on your books all at once. If you do, you're asking to be extorted. Don't give store items away for free or else you'll be perceived as a soft touch and have the inmates lining up to take everything you own. Well, yeah, they'll, 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 yeah, yes, you will. Number 10, when a riot happens, the whole area is usually pepper sprayed or maced. Wrap a wet towel around your head to minimize the effects of the spray. Good advice. Number 11, don't pal up to the guards. The inmates will assume you're providing information and smash you. Um, I think that that uh, I don't believe, that didn't certainly didn't work where I was. Uh, you know, they, there wasn't this kind of gang control. I think that this could certainly happen at a uh, a place where there isn't as much uh, you know guard interaction. People hung out and talked to the guards all the time. I was a uh, people would come to me for favors. I was the staff canteen operator. I, I worked all day, every day, with every shift of every officer who came in. If somebody was going to get smashed in, in my prison for this, and like I said, let me repeat, this was the most violent prison in the mm-hmm. state of Florida at the time as far as incidents of violence. It was, you know, the, the, it was the level three, which is, there yep. was a one, a two, and a three, and three being the highest, uh, youthful offender institution. So therefore you have the youngest, therefore dumbest most violent, yeah. men. Number 12, don't talk about someone behind his back. Beware of inmates telling you they heard someone say something bad about you, like someone calling you a punk, because they may be inciting you to fight their enemy for them. A good response for such a situation is, anyone who thinks I'm a punk needs to man up and say it to my face. Sounds like a good, sounds like a good thing to say. More tips coming up here about how to survive if you get thrown in the clink that's being run by Joe Arpaio or any other dangerous jail or prison uh, around the country, but specifically the Arpaio prison system, which seems to be excessively violent, at least compared to, uh, and excessively dangerous, at least compared to your experience in the Florida prisons, Mark, 10 years ago. Yep. 800-259-9231. We got more tips on the way and your calls as well about whatever you want. Hour 3 coming up, Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us at freetalklive.com. We're uh, reading some excerpts from John's Jail Journal, which you can find online at johnsjailjournal.blogspot.com. He was, uh, I guess, formerly a drug dealer, got busted, thrown in the clink. But it wasn't just your average jail. It was the jail run by Sheriff Joe Arpaio, one of the most corrupt, violent, dangerous sheriffs in uh, all of uh, the entirety of America. You're claiming that he's corrupt. You've, uh, I mean, you know. Or, rumor has it. Rumor has it. Anyway, uh, so the guy is out now, and he uh, his blog is tremendous. I mean, there are over 4,000 posts from his uh, five years uh, being in this uh, particular jail and pr- several prisons, I guess, as well in, in Arizona. And uh, so interesting jail experiences as I've been surfing through here, and one I wanted to pick out and share with you tonight was the tips on how to survive if you get thrown in Joe Arpaio's jail. Here's a tip on how to survive in prison. Don't go to prison. 
Well, that's nice and all, but sometimes you can't help it. Like those poor guys that got thrown in and they didn't even commit a crime, and then, you know, 10 years later, found out that they're innocent. You know, what can you do? does happen. Those cases. Uh, so information can be pretty valuable. I mean, information like if a riot happens, the whole area will get pepper sprayed, so you should wrap a wet towel around your head to minimize the effects of the spray. And uh, you got some other tips here. We're on number 13. If you missed the other ones, go and download the archives tonight at freetalklive.com. 13. Don't tell the guards you're feeling suicidal or they'll four-point you, meaning all four of your limbs will be shackled to a bunk and you may have to urinate where you lay. Yeah. I, I don't know why you would tell the, the guards that. <laughs> Number 14, when store items are being collected for indigent inmates or men in the hole, contribute if you can. You don't want to be viewed as being unsupportive of your race. Number 15. I've never heard of, uh, be, be, well, yeah, you know, I guess I guess I did, uh, you know, sneak plenty of stuff into uh, guys in confinement, but I never really went around and passed a hat or anything. I just did it. Number 15, be cognizant of your body language. The inmate with a spring in his step and his chin up is less likely to get preyed upon than the inmate with his head down staring at the ground, giving off vibes that he's afraid or got something to hide. Yep. 16, Maricopa County is paying out a fortune in inmate lawsuits because of the inhumane treatment of prisoners by the Arpaio regime. If you're mistreated, request for and fill out all of the necessary grievance and medical paperwork, otherwise your claim won't stand up in court. I encourage inmates to sue the jail and Arpaio as much as possible, and maybe then changes will be made. So as to avoid court cases and bad publicity, inmates are often paid out-of-court settlements. This is a good earner for inmates who have suffered illegal treatment. And 17, if you see Sheriff Joe Arpaio in the jail system, there's something you can do that will generate you huge respect and make you a legendary figure in the, in the inmates' minds. You can spit on him. It might be just worth going to the hole for. I am, of course, just kidding. I would never encourage you to assault a public official with your bodily fluids. Don't give them any excuses to extend your stay. I um I, mean, I can't say that I uh you know support going after random guards like this, but it. Uh, but if know, it was well, old Sheriff Joe. Oh well, yeah, I, <laughs> Sheriff Joe, you you can do whatever you want with, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, I it was it was kind of funny, you know, some trick that they would do is they'd uh, you know the inmates would uh, urinate in a in a cup and then rig it up over the door so when the officer would come through that they would <laughs> then be uh, doused by a small you know like a you know four four six six ounces of yeah. urine. I always thought that it was kind of you know. Uh, kind of lame, but you, you can't really go after the uh, the officer otherwise. So if they're yeah. really a jerk, you're, you are going to have some problems, though. What they'll yeah, they might do. beat you. Mm, they wouldn't know that you necessarily did it. Here's the if reason. If you spat on Joe Arpaio, they'd know. Oh yeah, you're, you're yeah. liable to get beaten. <laughs> but if you, uh, what they would likely do in, in our case would be lock down the uh, pod of 20 men or whatever mm-hmm. until uh, you know such time as somebody so came forward. Yes, and somebody you know snitched on you, and you know that's just the way that goes generally. And then yeah, then you're then you're gonna have some problems. And the final tip to survive in Joe Arpaio's jail: stock up. On the free toothpaste, Amerifresh, in case you end up in a cockroach-infested area, it effectively blocks the cracks that the cockroaches swarm in from when the lights are turned off. That's pretty useful. Yeah, well, you know, I can tell you that there's a lot of things that convicts can do with toothpaste and toilet paper. 1-800-259-9231 is the number. We go to your phone calls, and uh, let's talk to Chris in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Chris. Hey, guys. Hey, what's What's happening tonight? Well, I just wanted to give you guys the exclusive announcement the Free State Project 2009 Liberty Forum, we now have a date. The contract was signed today. Oh, excellent. What's going on? What's the deal? It will start March 5th. That's a Thursday and go on until 
Sunday, March 8th. Cool. Okay. It'll be at the same hotel as last year, the Crown Plaza in Nashville. That was really nice. I, I kind of like that place. It was a nice hotel, though. I know that uh, Jason Osborne had a bit of a clash with the management at one point, so hopefully he'll be... Uh, He'll be okay He'll with get that. over it. <laughs> It'll be all right. Jason and I have talked about that. Okay, good, good. I'm glad you've uh, conferred as necessary. He just wants yeah. his ego stroked. Uh, he wants to be able to party too. <laughs> That's and, uh, true. The hotel did not like us partying after 1 a.m. in their lobby. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool, man. Any? Uh, have you got any speakers lined up? Anything else you can uh, announce while you're here? I have about. I would say nine speakers who verbally said yes, but we they didn't know the date at that point. Mm-hmm. Some I think people are really going to like. Probably one or two that people won't like. Any but, ticklers? Um, that's what libertarians are for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, about something. It's always going to be that way. Any uh, ticklers on those? Uh, anything you want to mount- announce? I have no one to officially announce. Yeah. Okay. I hope Too to have early. some in the next two or three days. Okay. Well, we um, hope to hear back from so, you. Anything else you want to discuss tonight, Chris? Yeah, I was going to ask you guys one quick thing. I would love to have. Uh, Free Talk Live have uh, their own session during that week sometime. And, of course, we'd love to have you broadcast from there. Like, well, Of course we're going to broadcast. That's no problem. It was awesome last year. The, the what kind of session are we talking about yeah, here? What, what, what do you session? envision with this session? Yeah, what's that mean? I was thinking of a lot of fruit people could throw them at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, you'll get people um, to line up for that. Yeah, you know, have you guys talk about, you know, how you started the business? I'm sure people have questions. More of a, It's probably going to be more of a Q&A how you know you made the move and how your show keeps getting more and more successful as time goes on. I'm sure people want to hear the Free Talk Live message, and yeah, I'd love can, to have them do it. How can they do the it, too? Yeah, that'd be a good idea. More intimate. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Um, I, you know, I'm all up for that. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll be broadcasting live. I, I really enjoy going to the Liberty Forum. When, uh, so when are people going to be able to buy tickets? I mean, now that they're going to be setting aside March 5th through the 8th, what's going to, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are people right now that say, look, I had such a great time last year. I want to go this year. What's up? Um, we're going to have the website up and running probably within a week or so. We j- I literally just signed the contract today. Oh, I know. So, okay. Right. Um, I'll be talking to the webmaster and get that running sometime this week. Great. Well, people should keep their eyes on freestateproject.org. And, of course, we'll bring you all the latest here as we know it on Free Talk Live. Chris, thanks for the update tonight. And uh, keep up the great work out there. You did a great job last year with the Liberty Yeah, he Forum. did. I'm really glad that he decided to uh, go ahead and, uh, um, you know, be the chief on this one. It, it, uh, it means to me that it's going to be a really great event. It was a fantastic uh, event, and they just keep getting better. So I expect uh, to be even better this year as well. All right, 800 259 231 we go to the amp line gene gene in tennessee yes, this is me gene you're on the I air what? Talk... yes first before i talk about anarchy i wanted to say that thanks to myself and my wife we got you up to second place on podcast alley oh good wow that's fantastic how did you pull that oh, off you were... well because you were like two votes away from oh, second okay. place so... <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> if you had a <laughs> I didn't know if you had a large yeah, uh, anyway. contingent of supporters. I know she's got family out in China, so I didn't know if you had some Chinese votes come in for us, which would have been cool. Yeah, well, I wish I could do that, but uh, I can't speak Chinese. So, <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about anarchy and the guy that introduced me to anarchy. Is that, what is that chirping? Be. Before you go on, is that like a, a, a radar uh, detector or something? That would yeah, be much, much appreciated. I need to keep the, uh, keep the cops off my tail. So. Very good. good. But... Uh, the, the guy who introduced me to Anarchy, well, used to, well, he does post a lot on Usenet under the group Miscellaneous Taxes. Most people don't even know what Usenet is. But anyway, uh, he was the one that convinced me that Anarchy was the way with his impeccable logic. And I think you would like him. He's got a website. It's called nogovforme.net. 
Hmm. And that's no no gov four is the number four, and then me dot net. Okay. And, uh, he he has impeccable logic there that just literally tears apart part the status on the uh, miscellaneous taxes website. There's some very strong status there that basically they have no arguments, so they just call them names all the time. You know what, Gene? I'd actually been to that website before. It was actually in my bookmark, so I'll agree with you. That is a good website. It was good enough for me to bookmark it. And uh, thank you. Uh, if you have more, hang on. We'll bring you back. 800-259-9231 is the number. Michael's on the line in Virginia. We'll talk to him and take your calls as well at 1-800-259-9231. Anything goes. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You can get signed up, and we will let you know whenever there's something fresh that you need to know about Free Talk Live. If you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklive.com, uh, an update went out recently announcing our auction. You can bid on the uh, the top banner, or the not the top one, but the second to the top, because Jason Osborne from Seikel owns the top banner. Yeah. Uh, but the second from the top, right under the Seikel banner, you could win that banner uh, if you go to auction.freetalklife.com and place your bid, and you find out about stuff like that first if you're on the updates list at updates.freetalklife.com. Speaking, speaking of, of Seikel. Yeah, speaking, speaking of Jason Osborne, he's, uh, he, he loves to support uh, liberty-oriented ventures, um, at least the ones that he thinks that uh, are going to uh, be successful, and one of them, of course, is Free Talk Live. He mm-hmm. started out by uh, supporting us and has sort of branched off into some others and so if you believe in liberty and you know somebody who has a company or that needs to try something new in the area of collections SACL CAI give, give them the recommendation I've managed to refer them to a, you know a company that I'm close to and and so far they're you know they're not dissatisfied with the work that's been done I've uh, I had another friend who did some uh, work with SACL and you know of course he was happy to so they they approach it in a slightly different uh, fashion nobody gets hurt nobody uh, nobody gets threatened with their collections processes so, uh, Sickle CAI, check out their banner, freetalklive.com. 800-259-9231, continuing again with Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. Gene, what other thoughts did you have for us tonight? Well, I wanted to just briefly tell you a little bit about the guy at the uh, website, nogovforme.net. His name is Jack Malloy, and he's an ex-Cobra pilot for the, air, for the uh, military. I forget which branch, but hmm. he was uh, actually a Cobra instructor. And so he went from being a Cobra instructor to a promoter of anarchy, and he uh, used to be known online as the Arnery Anarchist. And, uh, so I guess he he's by. he's one of those military guys that uh, has come to the realization and understanding that he was in absolutely not uh, was not defending freedom. Oh, absolutely, and um, he. Um, uh, his other name that he uses when he's posting a lot is Jackie Sneed, which is the, the pen name he uses for the books that he writes. But uh, he's an interesting guy, and he's got quite a bio, and uh, if people want to check it out, I just wanted to let – and you'd like him too because uh, – Like I said, uh, it's on my bookmarks. Lot. So there must be something yeah. good there. I've got so many bookmarks I don't even know I have at this point. I really should probably hey, clean uh, them out. He might be he might be good for Mark too to get rid of some of Mark's statism to read a little ah, bit. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Writing. Go ahead and plug the site again. <laughs> Not Gene. even that What's interested. What's the site? <laughs> no, no gov number four me. No gov four me dot net. That's correct. Very that, good. Yeah, that's 
Thanks for the call, Gene. Appreciate the tip. Have a good day. Appreciate the suggestion. 800-259-9231. You know those liberty lovers are always looking for more stuff to feed into their mind. Uh, So there you go. Uh, Recommendation from Gene. Hey, uh, real quick, Mark, uh, to talk about briefly the Liberty Forum, I understand that Chris Lawless, the organizer of last year's and this coming Liberty Forum, is uh, still listening to the program. And while I liked initially his suggestion about, you know, kind of like a free talk live panel, you know how I am. I just don't like a bunch of attention being lavished on me in that way. I don't I like do. the idea of being up up in front of a room, you know, oh, hey, I'm I'm from Free Talk Live. Ask me about me and my show. Uh, it's just not the kind of that's why it's not the Ian Bernard show and it's Free Talk Live and it's in, you know, anybody can do this show basically because it's it's not a personality oriented program the way I see it at least. And when I was at the Liberty Forum the first time, there was a, a panel that I was invited to be on, which is a media panel. And I thought it was a really good panel. And, of course, a lot of Free Talk Live listeners were in there because I was on the panel. Uh, but it was a much more kind of overall general media, liberty media-related uh, panel. And I think right. and I think that uh, what what we would be trying to accomplish in any kind of panel would be to get more people involved in, in the media. media. And I don't really care whether you're writing blogs or um, – you know, I'm of the opinion that there's a lot of uh, libertarian articles and blogs written. Mm-hmm. But – you know, if that's if that's the way that you can get uh, you express yourself and get it out there, th- then that's good. I think that people want to see videos. I think they want to hear um, podcasts and things like that. Yeah. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. But I, I, we want more people to, you know, just get the message of liberty out. Just get, give, give people the opportunity to consume it. So here's my idea. This is what I would like to do. If he's going to give us a panel, then I would like to kind of... Take charge of that panel and make it a little bit uh, a wider than just Free Talk Live. I think that, uh, I, I, first of all, I've never moderated a panel before. So I could moderate the panel, and then, Mark, you could sit on the panel to represent Free Talk Live. And we could also have maybe Toby and or Nick from Free Minds TV. Of course, they also co-host Free Talk Live uh, every, you know, once a week. So we could have those guys in there to kind of cover the TV side of things. We could also bring Gardner Goldsmith in as another uh, New Hampshire-based radio personality and also a Free Talk Live co-host. And certainly an, and an author. And, yeah, and, and you know, Guard got a lot of questions in the media panel that I was on a couple of years ago, so it'd be great to have Guard there. And I think maybe Dave Ridley. I mean, I, these are just the, the first names that come to mind as far as who we could bring in. Uh, you know, Dave Ridley, more of the Internet video uh, what, realm. What and, I think is so great about um, uh, Dave Ridley is that he, uh, you know, what he, what he puts together is a very watchable little um, almost daily uh, a video of you know things that are going on as in New Hampshire. It's it's free state oriented. You can see it so at RidleyReport.com. You have to be interested in, from from, it, um, from that point. But you know there's he gets some really good stuff on there. He'll get uh, you know police acting out yeah. and you know all kinds of things. I think that would make a lively panel and it would cover a whole lot of different kind and of. Anybody media. could do it. Yeah, I think it'd be. I think that would bring a lot of people in, a lot more people than just would want to. Ooh, it's Ian and Mark from Free Talk Live. Let's go see what they have to say. It'll bring a lot of other people in, and we'd be able to cover a whole bunch of different issues. Well, I, I think, think a lot of people lively. want to know um, how we got started in radio, how they could uh, do it, and that kind of thing. There's a lot. You know, people call in about that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the, yeah, the, that's the more, what I want to do. Know, the, the more message, the yeah. better. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. All right, we continue. Michael in Virginia, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey guys, nice to talk to you. What's on your mind, Michael? Um, this is a story out of Maryland. Apparently, there's a new method for drug dealers to deliver their drugs to their, I guess, other dealers. Hmm. They like send them via FedEx to uh, random houses, and then the dealers pick it up during the day when the residents aren't at home. 
I'm and, pretty uh, sure that's an old method, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, apparently uh, the drug dealers sent it to a mayor's house. They didn't know it was the mayor's house, and apparently neither did the Prince George's County Police because they intercepted the package and delivered it anyway, even though they probably knew that he didn't order the drugs. So the mayor comes home, picks up the package, walks into his house, and then a few minutes later a bunch of plainclothes police officers kicked down the door unannounced with no knock. Yeah, we actually, talked about, we actually talked about this story. Uh, what, do you have an update on it? Like, is the mayor, I think, didn't he get arrested? He didn't get arrested. The only thing that was confiscated was the drugs, and he's had a big meeting where he just called for an investigation. But as of 30 minutes ago, there's still been no apology. No apology from the police to the mayor and his family, you mean? That is correct. Now, the mayor in this town is, uh, is, 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 is somewhat a ceremonial position. It's not his full-time job, that's correct? Yeah, I mean, he has a full-time job. It's not that, of course, but yeah, more okay. or less. Yeah, I just want people to understand what we're dealing with as far as a mayor here. This is a pretty small town, and um, you know, they, the, the mayor's not even full-time. Yeah, so. But even the mayor is not safe from uh, nope. police raids. Thank you, Michael, for the call. Sure. 800-259-9231. Speaking of the police, and speaking of crime, pre-crime exists in America, and we'll tell you about it here in moments. Pre-crime, you know what that concept is? It's where the police believe you're, you're going to commit a crime, and so they do something to preempt you. Talk about it. You can uh, bring up anything as well. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, and they include the wiki, over 1,700 pages created by listeners like you. It's like a listener-editable version of our website. Just go to wiki.freetalklive.com to get interactive for free. That's wiki, W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project. What if a socialist became president of the United States of America. President Barack Obama, John McCain, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card. What is your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project participants choose what event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org and get on board. Freestateproject.org. Org. We continue with your phone calls coming up. We'll tell you about how pre-crime exists right here in the so-called free country of America. Uh, but first to Stephen in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Stephen in Texas. Uh-oh, that, that sounded, sounded like, like a hang-up. Yeah, yes, maybe, yes. Oh, Stephen, there he is. Stephen is there. Did you know that Larry Silverstein said pull it, meaning that he was um, he, he wanted to have the building blown up? He directed the... Um, I've I've heard that uh, some people have suggested that's what he meant, but uh, I don't know. Did you know that um, they put explosives in the towers because Stephen Jones found thermite? Yeah, I don't know about all that, and I have to say that uh, there are a lot of people that are very concerned with what happened on 9-11, and uh, I appreciate their concern. I appreciate that they're trying to get people to understand that the government is evil and the government does bad things to people, but I just don't think that it's very persuasive. I think it's questionable. I think that uh, it's not really that relevant to what it is that I find important in life, and that is advancing liberty in my lifetime. Did you know a missile hit the Pentagon? 
Yeah, those are all al- those are all interesting allegations. A missile hit the Pentagon in the broad daylight. A big one. Yeah, a missile hit the Pentagon in the broad daylight. Like the size of a Scud missile, like that big. Yeah, a where missile did, hit where the was Pentagon it shot from? in the broad daylight. Are you going to just repeat yourself over and over again, or do you have mm-hmm. anything important to say? Well, I'd also like to say that um that the New World Order is trying to kill eight, put eighty trying to kill eighty percent of us. I watched Endgame. Why now? What is it that is you know why are that why are they taking so long? I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to kill eighty percent. Are you of doubting Alex Jones? Alex Sorry? Jones is a genius. He's saving the world. Uh yeah okay well that's great. You don't have to pot him down. We're not done with him yet. Are you there still? Still buddy? Yeah. Okay. I'm here. What, what were you saying about Alex Jones? He's a, he, he's saving the world. He's a true American now, how is hero. He saving, how is he saving the world? I, let me say, I like what Alex Jones does about the police state, but the conspiracy crackpot stuff like the chemtrails, that I don't think is saving Did the world. Did you just call Alex Jones a crackpot? No, I call the, the, uh, the chemtrails crackpottery. Alex Jones is a genius. He is right 99.82% of the time. <laughs> is this a crank call? Are you for real? Yeah, no, actually, I am making fun of crazy people. I'm sorry. It's all right. All right. Very good. Very good. What else? Uh, did you have anything else to tell us about tonight? Well, I would also like to say that, um, well, you, you already brought up the chemtrails, but, um, well, yes. no, nothing, nothing much else to say. Okay, <laughs> get out of here. Thanks. 800-259-9231. Uh, my stock answer is, uh, is, is now, not that I don't care about the conspiracy theories, that I have more effective ways to prove to people that the government is evil, and here is one of them. LewRockwell.com, William Norman Grigg, who is Johnny on the spot when it comes to uh, the advance of the police state. No portents of tragedy were apparent when Matthew Beck arrived for work at the Connecticut Lottery Corporation the morning of March 7, 1998. But barely an hour would elapse before an eruption of criminal violence would take five lives and imperil the rights of thousands. Beck, a 35-year-old accountant, had become disenchanted with his job at the corporation, which, like its counterparts in other states, is a government-run agency in the business of wheedling revenue from the mathematically impaired. Over the months leading up to that deadly morning, Beck had applied for a promotion, only to have it turned down. A few months earlier, Beck had been given a leave of absence for stress-related medical reasons. His office mates knew he was a troubled employee, but they didn't expect, however, that he could simply show up for work at the Hartford office one morning, take out a Glock, and start gunning down his supervisors. Mm. But that's precisely what he did, killing four and sending others scurrying, terrified, into a nearby Bosque. What's a Bosque? Bosque? Yeah, B-O-S-Q-U-E. Check that for me, would you? Bosque? It's B O S Q U E. Could be mis- uh, misspelled, but the B and the M aren't that. Uh, you know, there's there's a, a key separating them yeah. on the. Uh, the Will you check it for me? I'd I'm working it. on it, man. The mass murder then ended, as much episodes most almost always do, on the gunman's terms rather than because of the actions of the police. His victims being dead, Beck took his own life. The security guard on scene did nothing to interdict the massacre. His only role was to urge would-be victims to seek safety in the woods. The police, as they generally do, arrive just in time to see the assailant kill himself. In a moment of genuine heroism, Otho Brown, 54, the lottery president, drew Beck's fire away from the others by leading the younger, fitter, or fitter attack, attacker on a brief chase before stumbling and being shot. Beck's parents and close friends reported that the young man suffered from suicidal depression. On at least one occasion prior to the massacre, police had been called to his apartment. But he had no criminal record, and he did have a valid gun permit. 
Within a few months, advocates uh, advocates of civilian disarmament working their familiar cynical alchemy transmuted the Connecticut lottery tragedy into totalitarian policy. I bet they did. With the, Before you go on, a, a Bosque is a uh, large wooded area. That's what I drew from the context later on, but thank you for the clarification. With the help, you learn, you learn something new every night here on Free Talk Live. I would have used copes. Anyway, with the help of uh, Representative Michael Lawler, who's now the chairman of their Judiciary Committee in Connecticut, they enacted the nation's first preemptive gun seizure act. Under that law, the police can confiscate firearms from their lawful owners before a crime is committed. Mm. Have you ever seen Minority Report, Mark? Yeah. Uh, it's a movie just kind of about a similar yep. concept, the idea that the police will be able to predict when you're going to, be a, you know, when you're going to commit a crime and interde- uh, intervene before it actually happens. That's what's going on here. Uh, Lawler said the – again, the state, re- state representative, Michael Lawler, said the value of this law is not so much that the police will seize your guns. It gives the police a system to investigate a person who poses a threat. If the police never confiscate a person's guns, they can at least look into the person's behavior and perhaps prevent a tragedy by intervening. A recent wire service story celebrating the 10th anniversary of Connecticut's preemptive civilian disarmament measure reports that since it went into effect, state police and 53 police departments have seized more than 1,700 guns. I guess they've stopped 1,700 crimes from being committed, too. Opponents of the gun seizure law expressed fears in 1999 that the police would abuse the law. Today, the law's backers say the record shows that just hasn't been the case. 1,700 guns confiscated? Sounds like an abuse to me. Well, and that's what Greg says. To the contrary, the record, as described above, shows there have been at least 1,700 incidents of abuse that grew out of that enactment. Each confiscation is an act of state theft perpetrated against someone who is innocent before the law. They haven't committed a crime. Lawler, a former state prosecutor, color me unsurprised, says Grigg, is a standard-issue statist Democrat carved out with the familiar collectivist cookie cutter. I do find it more than... I do find it of more than passing interest that he earned a master's degree from the University of London in Soviet-era studies, or area studies, rather, given that his perspective on the role of the law is close kindred to that of Lenin and Vyshinsky, the latter being the, patrons, uh, the patron saint or the demonic analog of public prosecutors. When Connecticut's law went into effect nearly a decade ago, Lawler pointed to the case of neo-Nazi Cretan Benjamin Smith, who killed two and wounded nine in a two-state shooting spree, as the sort of person who would be disarmed under this measure. According to Lawler, Smith's, this is what he said, Smith's criminal record and reputation for passing out hate literature would often adequate... Uh, what often adequate probable cause to justify a preemptive gun seizure. Of course, this assumes that law enforcement agencies would be in charge of determining what constitutes hate literature and who is responsible for disseminating the same. What Lawler clearly had in mind was a Soviet-style political profiling and disarmament of specific kinds of people, those deemed by the state to be socially dangerous persons. This was the assumption embodied in Article 58 of the Soviet Penal Code, which specified that the state may use these measures of social protection to deal with anyone classified as a danger to society, either for a specific crime that's been committed, or when, even if exonerated of a particular crime, the person is still reckoned to pose a threat to society. So all they have to do is believe that you're a threat, and they can take your guns from you. Greg has more to say on this story, and we'll take your calls as well. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. (laughs) 
Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call. If you make it now, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, and if you want to help support the show, you can vote for us. You can go to vote.freetalklive.com. We do need your votes. It makes a big difference for us. Gene, the Christian anarchist, called earlier, said that he and his wife both voted and helped push us into a second place at that time. I'm presuming we're still there, so we need to close it, that final It's a tenuous gap. lead at, uh, at best. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked a few minutes ago, and it was I think we were two points up over uh, the, the third. We need to close the final gap, and we need your vote if you've yet to do it. It's once a month, so once you've done it once, you're done till uh, September. Go to vote.freetalklive.com, and uh, we would much appreciate that. All right, 800-259-9231, pre-crime. It has apparently existed in America for the last decade, and we didn't even know it. In Connecticut, actually, is where it uh, happened in 1998. They passed a law authorizing the government people to determine whether or not you are going to be dangerous by whatever arbitrary measures they determine those things, Uh and then seize your guns from you. Hmm. And apparently, over the last decade of having this law in the books, they have seized over 1,700 firearms. I imagine they seized, by, by the 1,700 number in, in the state of Connecticut, what that sounds to me like, they seize the gun of anybody who uh, you know comes across their path in any way, shape, or form, yep. uh, like, other than the people that you know they like for some reason or another. Yeah, someone who says something they don't like, someone who, uh, in their minds, is a danger to society, whatever that means. So while thus far, this again, William Norman Grigg at LouRockwell.com, while thus far, this particular law remains unique among state laws, which is kind of surprising. Normally, bad ideas spread pretty quick. Maybe the other states just hadn't gotten wind of it. I'm surprised it's, uh, it would even be considered uh, constitutional. I'm surprised it, it stood up. I'm surprised that our Supreme Court would have allowed this law to stand up and that it hasn't been challenged. Maybe, yeah, maybe it hasn't been. I don't know. Um, so anyway, while it remains unique, it's philosophically a pe- of a piece with many pro- proto-totalitarian policies enacted as part of the war on terror and the war on drugs. The, ne- the Connecticut gun seizure measure is obviously a sibling of civil asset forfeiture measures that permit police to steal money and property from people not convicted of a crime. And by permitting authorities to impose summary punishment on dangerous but legally innocent people without due process of law the measure resembles that crap yeah you can just take stuff from people that's what they do the measure resembles one aspect of the military commissions act that act as we've recently been reminded permits the government to imprison for life people acquitted of terrorism charges if they somehow avoid conviction in a proceeding that is unapologetically rigged in favor of the prosecution if those who rule us possess such oracular insight insight regarding crimes yet to be committed and can exercise the power to abort those crimes while they're still gestating within the souls of lesser people, we should dispense outright with trials and the entire architecture of due process. The state should simply... <laughs> yeah, uh, right. I mean, if they, are, if they know who's going to commit a crime, then why are we bothering with this whole due process well, right. thing? Yeah, what's the next step? I mean, now they're taking people's guns, but as uh, Greg says, the state should just simply identify, expropriate, imprison, and if necessary, liquidate socially dangerous people wherever they're found. Uh, well, you know, even in, in in Minority port, Report, they, they somehow saw the future that somebody was going to commit a crime. Mm-hmm. Well, here they don't even do that. No, they, they don't have the guessings. psychics. 
Uh, and that, once again, is exactly what Lenin and his followers attempted to do. This isn't to suggest that Mr. Lawler and his ilk are stringing up the barbed wire and readying to round up political dissidents. It's to point out that the legal principles they're following would make an American gulag inevitable. Ironically, it's quite simple to identify those who genuinely deserve to be designated socially dangerous persons. Just look for those who wear state-issued costumes and expect the rest of us to obey their every whim. Significantly, Matthew Beck... Although he didn't wear a paramilitary costume, was a government employee himself. And before working for the Connecticut Lottery, Mr. Beck worked for the world's most loathsome official criminal syndicate, the the Internal Revenue Service. (laughs) Like every civilian disarmament measure, Connecticut's gun seizure program enhances the power of the single deadliest cohort in any society, those who exercise lethal force on behalf of the state. In the months immediately prior to enactment of the gun seizure bill, unnecessary lethal shootings by police agencies in Connecticut had drawn international attention. As is the case elsewhere, Connecticut has its share of police officers who are implicated in various kinds of abuse and criminal behavior, as we mentioned so many times on this program. Certainly happens. Both felonious and petty. But usually the most acute danger is that posed by good or not-so-good police carrying out official duties, rather than bad cops pursuing private corruption. This is illustrated, ironically enough, by the case of a street homicide committed by a cop who shares Representative Lawler's surname and who is carrying out a policy connected to Lawler's seizure law. In May of 2005, Officer Robert Lawler was partnered up with Special Agent Daniel Prather of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. The pair was part of a federal task force called the Violent Crime Impact Team, with Lawler temporarily deputized as a federal agent. Their assignment was to prowl the streets of Hartford in search of guns to confiscate. On the evening of May 7th, Lawler... The the feds were involved in the use of this crime? Sounds like it. Man. BATF. Man, they love that. On the evening of May 7th, Lawler and Prother were harassing somebody on the streets when the former spied a black Maxima with a young black male sitting in the passenger seat. Beckoning Prother to come with him, Lawler crossed the street, flashed his costume jewelry, and ordered the driver, a young man named Brandon Henry, to stop the car and keep his hands in plain sight. Prother backed Lawler's play, only to be startled a few seconds later when five shots rang out, and then Henry, in a panic, pulled away in the car. About a half a mile later, as Prother and Lawler called for backup, Henry plowed into another car before dashing out and fleeing on foot, leaving a trail of blood. According to Lawler, Henry tried to hit me and pulled a gun on me. Henry, though shot in the chest, survived. His passenger, 18-year-old Jashan Bryant, died at a nearby hospital. Mm. Although a trivial quantity of cocaine was found in the car... A gun never turned up. Testifying under oath later, Prother reported that he never saw a gun. An official investigation by the State Division of Criminal Justice later verified that Henry, neither Henry nor Bryant had a gun and concluded that the use of deadly physical force was not appropriate, which is to say this was an act of unmitigated murder. The cop shot at these two kids in the car. While the hospital recovering, while in the hospital recovering from Officer Lawler's assault, Henry expressed disbelief that he could be shot and nearly killed over a small quantity of drugs. That fact may hint at a bigger story. Prior to being tapped for the VCIT task force, Officer Lawler, whose exaggerated sense of self-importance is captured in his self-assigned nickname, RoboCop, was a part of a street crime unit found to be illegally in possession of a large quantity of narcotics. The feds were willing to deputize Lawler for VCIT, despite his pungent, persistent aroma of corruption. Some sense of how Officer Lawler did business as a street cop is provided 
is provided by the use he found for drug dealer Jamie Diaz, one of his confidential informants, following the shooting of Henry and Brian. About a week after the incident, Diaz called the Hartford police to report that he had the gun Lawler had allegedly seen in Henry's car. He dictated a detailed statement to police in which he described how he supposedly came into possession of the weapon. He also insisted he didn't know Lawler or Prather. Two weeks later, Diaz contacted the police again to retract his statement, admitting that he had invented the story in order to repay Officer Lawler for refusing to arrest him ten years earlier. Robert Lawler is still awaiting trial. Mm. Following his indictment, he received the kind of police attention few other murder suspects would expect. In July 2006, after the state's Division of Criminal Justice published its findings, Lawler was confronted outside Hartford Superior Court by Jayshon Bryant's family. That is to say, he was treated to a small dose of well-deserved heckling and verbal abuse. The following week, when Lawler returned for a second pretrial hearing, the entrance to the courthouse was lined with blue. State and police, uh, state and local police in uniform were there to guard Officer Lawler from friends and family of the man he's accused of killing. If Connecticut were serious about disarming those who threatened the innocent, taking the guns away from the officers who were willing to stand in professional solidarity with Robert Lawler would have been a good place to start. Hmm. Always closing the ranks, the thin blue line closing around its own, even when it's quite obvious this man was a killer. He shot these two young men in cold blood. There was no threat whatsoever in this particular case. I don't want to, I, I, you know, cold blood. I, I don't know what to say about that. I know that if I was a cop and, you know, these these instances happened, I'd be scared. He saw a kid sitting in the car and he ordered them to stop. There was no instance. It was you, just you never know what car. you never know what happened. What he, he saw, saw a black what, kid driving a car with a kid, a black guy in the other seat, and he ordered them to stop, hoping to probably search them or whatever his, was going through his his head. I don't know, but it's a bunch of nonsense. I, so there you go. I, I'm not, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying I'd be scared. Pre-crime uh, exists in America, and it's been around for a long time. It probably will expand out from here. So be wary. Let's go to Fred in Kalispell, listening to KGEZ. Fred, you got about thirty seconds. What's on your mind? Uh, you're almost out of time. But anyway, chemtrails. Uh, I have seen planes. I can identify any plane flying over northwest Montana. They always fly from east to west or west to east. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're up here on the Canadian border. Okay. Okay. These chemtrail planes are flying about 35,000, 40,000 feet. There's no markings on the plane whatsoever on these planes. And it's saying there might be two of them. A beautiful, beautiful, clear day. Well, if it is and true, two of them Fred, flying Powell. Fred, we're out of time, my friend. Call tomorrow. We can discuss this more. But if it's true, it's just, and I don't believe that it is, but if it is, it just means the government is terrible and awful. We already knew that. So what's the point? See you tomorrow. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.